mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So we are back with episode 66, making our way down the baby ballot. Walking fast. This is the Jesslyn. Jesslyn. So many similar names. Yeah. They don't really take it in like, you know. Well, when you have that many, you're going to get writer's block. I guess. So the actual episode is called Duggars and Bates Reunion. Oh. And it premiered December 8th of 2009. So they're still on the road headed to the Bates, but they're, um, you know, to continue to help them with their remodel. Mm -hmm. But along the way, they're making stops. And like last week, we saw at the Biltmore House. And now they've stopped at Pigeon Forge. And it looks like they're actually staying in that exact same huge mm-hmm. cabin, 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 cabin that they stayed their in before. Their cabin castle. Their mm-hmm. cab, cabble. Yep, their cabble. And on top of all of that, it's also Jessa's 17th birthday. Mm-hmm. On the road. So Lego has to, of course, awkwardly side hug her and kiss <laughs> the side of her forehead while she offers up some very pitiful, like, chuckles. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but like. I don't know. Like, she's just like. It was awkward. Yeah, it was terrible. Was and he bad. calls her Sweet 17 and says, It seems like yesterday you were that size, as he points to uh, Jordan and Hanny on the floor, mm-hmm. like cuddle puddle type thing. To clarify, I don't blame Jessa for her pitiful attempts at a laugh. It's more than I'd be able to muster. That's yeah, for sure. So it was rough. Like she's got like a plastered smile on her face. I mean, part well, that's of the normal. course. That's normal. Exactly. Yeah. But she's just like trying to laugh. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're doing better than I could. So good yeah. on you, Jessa. Jessa Blessa. <laughs> so the girls are now headed out to get Manny's petties and facials to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And it's the very first time that we see a talking head of all four of the older Doug girls all together. Yeah. Um, it's Jessa and Ginger. They're higher up on like stools in the back, sitting mm-hmm. back to back with each other, with Jill and Jana sitting below. So it's kind of like Fundy Girl post picture. Yeah. Like with the back to back they're going. I yep. mean, the back to back is a classic. <laughs> when the interviewer says, You're not used to being pampered like that, are you? They're all like, No. True. Which, this goes beyond just nail polish and a facial. Yeah. The real pampering was just getting away, like, all together mm-hmm. with not one of them being left behind, a merp, not left behind, merp, um, to be stuck with all the little kids themselves. Yeah. I'm like, that was the real pampering of yeah. this day. Forget the fucking So you think, like, polish. the little, you think, like, the littler kids were left with grandma? Yeah. Probably, like, Probably. the really little ones. Mm-hmm, probably. So the girls have never had their nails done before, and this is only the second time in Cannon's life as mm-hmm. well. So it's quite the momentous occasion. 
And at one point, Michelle is talking about it being a girl thing, getting to pick out pretty colors and says, this would be a real dull place to live if it was just men. You know, we add a splash of color to life. All right. Give me your thoughts. All I could think about is just how like extra true this is in like their case and like their world. <laughs> Imagine a world full uh, of IBLP men. Hot. Yeesh. Hot. She says dull world. I'm like, that is generous. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Your husband is the human equivalent of Miracle Whip on Wonder Bread. Not even and- mayonnaise because that's doing man. <laughs> I love mayonnaise. Miracle Whip. Miracle Whip on Wonder Bread. I mean, even Miracle Whip might have a little bit too much zip for old Lego it hair is there. Zippy, I will say it. Do, it is a bit zippy. I don't know if he's got that. Oh man! Yeesh. <laughs> so we get a good ginger face. Did you have that written down? I did not actually. Oh, well, let me find it. Let me find it. Because it's in that quad interview with all the Doug girls. Hmm. They specifically, for whatever reason, asked Ginger what it was like, like them going to this, you know, pampering of theirs. (laughs) And she says, what was it like? Um, It was great. And then she kind of like rolls her eyes and even kind of goes like cross-eyed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And she makes like a thing with her mouth, like not quite duck lips, but she does just kind of like she makes like this face. Mm -hmm. She, I mean... She's doing what we're all thinking of, like, I don't fucking know. It was fine. How are you supposed to answer it? Yeah. Exactly. And Jessa even, like, kind of, like, nudges her, like, kind of, like, throws back into her, like, a little bit and is, like, say something. Yeah. And she's, like, I don't know. It it was really cool. It was very funny because it was nice to watch all four of them kind of be sisters without little kids around, like, to be older sisters together. But then I also thought that they're not used to having to answer anything with, like, their real opinions. Oh, yeah. So even though that question is kind of mundane and doesn't really open the door for, like, a lot of good answers, they're still not used to having people give a shit what they think about (laughs) something. All the times you just said sisters right now, I in my head I started going, sisters, sisters, sisters. there were never such devoted sisters. All right. That was stuck um, in my head like a month ago. Like a month ago, snow, 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 <laughs> it won't be long. Can you tell what we watch at Christmas <laughs> Your time? voice is, you do that voice so perfect too. Thank you. But um, like my, my sister right above me, Kinsey, like we were always talked about like, that was like kind of like our song. Sisters, sister. I need to buy her. I see all of like the merch of that. I think I got you like a makeup, like you, a little you got makeup me a little bag. Makeup bag. But I'm like, I need to get her that for Christmas. See, and now you funny. need to get me something that has the two boys dressed that way. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me like a pencil bag or something that yeah, has yeah. them. So but I have with, the like, makeup the blue. bag, and you have like the, the pen because you and pencils. God, 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 love you. We know you'd use it. I'll put a little pencil sharpener in there. I just think it would be funny because it'd be like the his and hers version. Good movie, man. Great movie. I every year I look I look forward to it every single year. And you know whose dresses I want? Not the you know not the little skinny one that everybody loves. I love Rosemary Clooney. Yeah. And when she wears that black like sequin with like the gloves, I'm like that is. I wish I could wear that. That was what I wanted to be. I don't want to be the other sister. I wanted to be Rosemary Clooney. <laughs> Any hoozle. Meanwhile, um, Lego is taking the boys 
to a police um police dog demonstration mm-hmm. and we get the phone belt clip yep we get it in most episodes it's pretty rare that we don't but really there's not too much to report they watch the officer give commands with the guy dressed in like the protective gear and mm. i mean i really don't have much to say i don't know if you do no but there you is- can tell it was like tlc set up these experiences for you is what it felt yeah, like it was like know. oh well i'm just like randomly taking the bus like no nah, they were like yeah this was planned yeah. you guys plan they plan to give you this stop and get you that cabin and yeah but there is a pop-up box that states that the Duggars have had five dogs, six cats, three rabbits, and two hamsters. Hmm. Imagine the things those poor animals have seen and been through and heard <laughs> and just imagine. Oh, man. Our producer is down here by my feet. Um, she's very... Mildred, you're very lucky you were not a Duggar pet. Nope. Just saying. That's a throwback to <laughs> last week. Uh. So they recap the Duggars the first time coming to help debates a little bit. And, you know, now it's six months later. And Baby Cannon says that the Bates and Duggars are such good friends because they have the number of kids in common. Zero mention of belonging to the same Colts, but you know. <laughs> but it's just the number. Minor details. Nothing that really matters. <laughs> they show footage of um, Kelly getting ready to deliver. So I feel like because the other stuff was like flashbacks, mm-hmm. now I feel it's like when we can officially cover the Bates Square. Okay. Because it's new footage now. So they're showing Kelly getting ready to deliver the baby that was the big push, Merp, um, earlier when they went the first time. Their big push to try to get as much done as they could was in preparation for this baby. Mm-hmm. So um, they're kind of now showing like the actual birth. But Kelly is kind of walking us through in the beginning her various births, most being at home, a few being in the hospital when there was like some complications and things. Mm-hmm. She's in the hospital this time, though, and she's kind of. Like, not freaking out, but she's animated about the fact that some of the older girls are present this time. Yeah. And she says she's not used to having people see her in pain. And that normally... And, you know, Kelly Bates just kind of always has that, like, ah, and then kind of, like, laugh through everything. Like, you know, I'm yep. not used to people seeing me in pain. You know? <laughs> um, so, she's not used to it. And she says that normally they just kind of send the kids upstairs and tell them that they'll have a little brother or sister in the morning <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so it's like they're normally like okay go away like Come mom's with, just I'll downstairs giving hours. birth like <laughs> no big whoop you're gonna wake up and you're gonna have your milk and you'll have a little sister you know like <laughs> and i gotta say a couple things so this woman is like nervous to have her own kids there and now she's about to like give birth on a show that's not even hers yep mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so i was like oh Oh, that's, that's quite so weird. <laughs> but the delivery is wild in the sense that she's totally calm and cool as a pickle, if you will. Um, she just kind of randomly sort of sits up a little bit and like like to the side mm-hmm. and says it's coming very kind of quietly, too. And then she says, just calm as fucking can be. 
like asking if she can can she i can sit, sit up, up a little can mm-hmm. i sit up a little can i raise the bed a little and then like literally like two seconds after mm-hmm. she gets done saying can i raise the bed a little they're calling the time of the birth yeah Yep. Like I didn't even realize it was actually happening mm-hmm. until they yelled the timeout. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, wait, what, what the fuck just yep. happened? And she's worried about raising the fucking bed. And the, at, the, at the same time, she's literally pushing out a bit. So then when I like replayed it in between her, like talking and being like, can I sit up a little? Can I raise the bed? You do see her kind of like bear, mm-hmm. bear down a little bit. But it's not like what I'm expecting from like pushing out a baby. That is an HOV lane. <laughs> They're moving fast. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, it was like she was just totally calm. It was. It was, it was wild. wild. It was so. It was so uneventful. Like it just as happened. weird as maybe that's not the word I want to use, but like it was very. It felt like somebody, it felt like if Whitney was trying to get to bed in a strange bed and then going, can I put this bed up? And then all of a sudden a kid popped out. Like that's what that was. Uh, like, I I have more dramatics for my cramps. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I true. just I can't even imagine. I Like I'm always like, oh, like so I'm like, oh, I'm crampy or like, and this lady's just like, whoop. <laughs> Given birth with yep. a smile on her fucking face. Yeah, just wanting to sit up a little. That's it all. It was nuts. Yeah. Um, and the staff was like, you weren't kidding when you said, here it comes. <laughs> because I don't think that they totally took it. Because seriously, it's not. it was hearing them call the time. And then I went back. And then I'm like, okay, now I can see it. Like like I said, she kind of mm-hmm. like goes to the side. And they lift She was her. like, it's time. She says, it's coming. Mm-hmm. And like she kind of like like leans over to the side a little bit and they you can see that they lift up her hospital gown a little and that's when i heard them say oh shoulders I like, see shoulders, but it's like yeah. at first i didn't catch that because it was so like fucking fast but it's like they're probably just there and then all of a sudden they're like okay that's happening <laughs> it was wild um and, and i never understood so everyone is now in the room and everyone starts saying how this newborn baby it's a girl they they the baits apparently don't ever find out until birth yeah so it's a girl and they're saying that this newborn little baby is cute everybody's like she's so cute my feelings on that are (laughs) that that is rare and i just wish we could get to a point where it is socially acceptable for us all to just acknowledge that as a society you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah it's not a knock on your child it's just they're not cute brown brand new no yeah. How many out of 10 are actually nice to look at? Brand new. Not many. Um, I mean, but, like, but think about it. You've been floating around in like a sack of fluid. You got smushed through the birth canal. Who's going to look good? This isn't a knock on the baby. Nobody's looking good after that. You know what I mean? But like, let's just all not be like, they're baby, so cute. Baby, we get it. <laughs> like, they're just... Give them some time. They need time. They need to air out a little. They're wrinkly. They're a weird color. They're smushy. They need time. And I don't know. I just wish we could all just be like, we know that they're not and just don't say it. <laughs> now, I feel like I feel like there's a thing of like, oh, this is a new life and oh, you have that. Absolutely. Like, yeah. There, th- that is not taking away from like from the excitement of it all. And like you know, we're still happy that we're just we're happy they're here. That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you're cute yet. Give it some time. 
Can we tell them you're their here story? I guess. <laughs> so, much like my face that gives away everything, I also have a hard time just like lying through my fucking teeth. So it's really hard for me to be like, they're so cute if they're not cute yet. Give it time. I'm not saying that they won't be. I'm not saying it's a forever thing. But I've realized that and it comes out naturally and then I just had to realize that it was a thing and this is what I do and I told him one day I'm like I realized what I do I can't say they're so cute so like I'm looking they're showing whether I'm looking at a picture or I'm holding them for the first time whatever my go-to thing is I say they're here because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do it uh, I can't be like they're so cute yeah. so I'm just like because it's true they are here you know <laughs> they're here and I, I just can't like i don't know so i'm glad we don't meet a lot of like kids together because if i heard you say that i would lose it <laughs> he definitely I and i told it. him i was like after one person it wasn't too long ago that i was like i heard myself say it and i'm like god do they know like you know like i was like worried that i was just like do they know uh, but i'm not saying it's a forever thing i'm just saying in the moment they're here <laughs> makes me laugh every time okay so now kelly and gill are seen so they're giving the baby like a little bath like in a little basin in the hospital, like in her bed. And did you notice Kelly's pajamas? Mm-mm. Monkeys. Really? Monkeys Weird. It's so much of a thing. strike again. This time, different though. Different fashion monkey, huh? Different fa- sock monkey. Wow. Damn. Which fits in with her era, if you think about it. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like more old-timey, more old-fashioned. I don't expect Kelly Bates to be wearing Paul Frank or fucking Bobby Jack. So a, a sock monkey makes sense. <laughs> Man, it really was that they had a grip I, on you know, her fashion I, I, sense I, at the time. I, I pointed out once, and how many times have we seen it since then? Yeah. A bunch. The fashion monkeys were a thing. Now I imagine the X-Files music. Can I go on a side tangent about sock monkeys for a second? Okay. And how they're kind of important in my childhood? Okay. I've told you this, right? Yep. So... My father really liked sock monkeys. I feel like I don't know, and I'll never know because it's not like I'm going to ask him. I think it might have been a thing like in his childhood, maybe Mm -hmm. through like a grandparent or something. But my dad liked sock monkeys. So we had some sock monkeys. And, you know, I had a handful of good memories with my father. A handful is not enough for 19 years of a relationship with you being my uh, parent. We're correct. But, you know, I'm not saying that there was never anything good. I had a handful. And one of those handfuls of good memories is that there was one particular summer, and it wasn't every day, it was just a couple here and there, where my dad would set up scenes with our sock monkeys before he went to work in the morning so that I'd wake up to find these. It was basically Elf on the Shelf before Elf on the Shelf was a fucking thing. (laughs) Like, think of it that way. And I remember one particular morning where I woke up before he left. Because I was excited, guys. Like, this was, like, everything to me. Like, this was, like, oh. Like, I couldn't (laughs) wait to go to bed, so I couldn't wait to wake up. I was so excited about it. I woke up on this particular morning where my dad was, like, just finishing setting it up. And I go into the kitchen. And so the scene he'd set up was that he... It was one of those sock monkeys into our cookie jar. And so he taped... 
like a cookie to like the little paw and then he he must have taped them all together i don't remember tied them together somehow but he had them like together like in a line Mm -hmm. attached to each other so there's the one in the cookie jar and they're going down the counter Mm -hmm. to the the ground and he had my barbie ferrari that i talked about that had no (laughs) that had no windshield (laughs) he had my barbie ferrari there and he had my gorilla la in the driver's seat and my gorilla la was a little gorilla that somebody gave me the like in the hospital when I was being born. I, I I'm gonna have to ask my mom or sisters who it was. I don't know if my dad bought it, but somebody gave it to me, and it's a gorilla that's wearing like a baseball cap, and when you squeeze it, it goes Hoo! like <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so gorilla la was in the seat of this Barbie car, so it was like he was driving the getaway car. Can I ask, can I intro one thing about gorilla la? Oh yes. So gorilla la has the plastic hands, right? Yes. So yeah, the hands were plastic, but it was like normal, and like the face stuffed was animal. Plastic, yeah. mm-hmm. But I provide pr- pictures. I still have them. Yeah, we should. What was the? Did the noise always sound that way? It was a little. I feel like it was a little more <gasps> like when I was younger. Okay. And then over years, you just press it now, and it goes. <gasps> yeah, it goes like. <laughs> yeah. And I remember because our nephew was playing with it, and Whitney all excitedly hit it, and he was terrified of it. <laughs> I don't remember this. Yeah. So he. this is when he was really little, but he came over and you gave it to him because you were like, oh, this was mine when I was little. And he went to reach for it. And when you were handing it to him, you squeezed the stomach and it went like in his face. <laughs> and he was terrified. Oh, I'm sorry, Bop. <laughs> Poor it was Bop. hilarious. But so that was Gorilla La, and I just didn't know if it made a different noise and it just kind of like went out or Well, whatever. the thing about Gorilla La now is so he has plastic hands, feet, and face. His hands have come out. Like I have to stick them back in. Mm-hmm. Like like whatever was keeping it in there, like glue or something. Yeah. His, so it's like you just see, like you pull his hands out and you just see like the stuffing. But anyways, so back to it. So Gorilla La was driving. Was the getaway the, driver. Was the getaway driver. Okay. So I walk into the scene and I think he was like done. But when I came in and saw it, uh, he went over and he grabbed like a bunch of bananas. And the back of that Ferrari had like a flat spot, right? Mm-hmm. So my dad put the bunch of bananas. It's very funny. On the back it's very of Very good. I, that was the funniest thing in my little world. <laughs> I remember I was wearing my, you know, like when you're literally wearing, you're wearing like the big t-shirt, the big giant t-shirt is your pajamas. I remember like flopping on the kitchen floor in my big t-shirt and I was laughing hysterically. Like it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever, ever seen in my life. And my dad, when I talk about the Jim Bob laugh through his nose, <laughs> my dad was doing that. Laughing hysterically, but through his nose. I don't know why my dad just wouldn't like let his laugh out, but he was that person that was always trying to like hold it in. Mm. So then it was like, <laughs> like through his like nose. <laughs> so I remember him laughing, through, but we both thought it was fucking hilarious. It's very and clever. So it's one of those things that is like stuck with me is like a positive memory with him. Right. And yeah, sock monkeys. But like, I and the funny part is I can't really remember much else of what he did. I think the other ones were less elaborate. It was probably mm. just like he set it up in the bathroom with like a toothbrush, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But that one, because it was elaborate and I walked in on it and then Gorilla Loa had the bananas too. I was just like, this he was is cre- comedy gold. He was creating a narrative, you know. Yep. Through diorama skills. I think he even told me stories about sock monkeys when I'm little. It's like kind of vague now. Mm. But like sock monkeys were a fucking thing. So anyways. <laughs> Kelly. 
was wearing sock monkey. Was wearing sock monkey pajamas, okay? While she cleaned this baby. And now it's flashing back over to the Duggar males, um, back at the firehouse now. Mm-hmm. And they're they're getting to try on the gear and learn about the equipment, and they even go for a ride in the fire truck. And we get a John David Speaks square. Very rare one. Because he explains that he's just joined the volunteer fire department back at home. And they end up letting Lego put on all the gear and put out like a controlled... It's like mm-hmm. a propane thing, so it's very yeah. controlled, but it's like a little propane fire, and they give him the fire extinguisher, and then he can't turn it off. <laughs> so it's just like going and going and going, and they're like, is it stuck? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, so it's just, boob's gonna boob, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so this episode is really jumping all over the place. See what I did there, Tim? Do you know I why? did. He knows why. There it is. Because now they're suddenly at like it's it looks like it's one of those just like places that has everything. It probably has mini golf. It does. Like, there was a gator yeah. golf spot. Um nowadays they probably had like laser tag and yeah. It just has all the things. And he says that he's gonna go bungee jumping. He's trying to get Jessa to do it with him since it's her birthday, but she's just She's not into it. No. And nobody else does. Nobody Mm-mm. else is into it. In a talking head with Joy and the OJ, the Jed Jed, the... <laughs> not Artist Jed. Not Artist Jed. They ask how often they've seen their dad scared. And Jed says never, but, you know, I'd expect an answer like that from a little kiss ass like him. A little smarmy kiss ass. So typical for him. But Joy, however, says if he's around animals like ostriches. Yep. She called him straight out from what happened. Like, <laughs> And it's funny because they go back and they show a scene and they play like dramatic music while he's like kind of like clinging to the fence. <laughs> oh, yeah. You could feel you could feel him. Being and I didn't write down what he said, but I feel he's like, I don't know if they like me or something. Like he says something. But it's funny because he is like terrorized and like holding on to the fence. So Joy's just like, he's around animals like ostriches. <laughs> he's only never been afraid of, except for animals, um, beats two and four in music, women in pants. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But nose other rings, than that. Nose rings will really send them yeah. through. <laughs> but other than that, steely resolve this one. <laughs> Joy hits us again with some, with, you know, this. The sassy kind of snarky hyperboles we've come to love from her. She's into those hyperboles and, you know, we're we're here for those. (laughs) She says, quote, he was up on that little thingy for about probably like 10 minutes just standing up on there, just looking down, saying, I love you, Michelle, like 50 million times. (laughs) So Joyce asks. 100%. Um, yeah, so I thought that she's just like, ugh. That's really funny. <laughs> so they're finally leaving Pigeon Forge and actually headed to the Bates. They've mm-hmm. been headed that direction this whole time, but now they're yep. really going. So it's the Duggars and the Wilsons again, plus now two more families on top of that. So A the, lot of people. It's a lot of fucking... <laughs> it was like 50-something people before, and now they've got 
I'm glad they have more bathrooms this time. I mean, I'm hoping. Do you think we're going to see another round of quesadillas? I hope so. I did see them by tortilla or <laughs> da, 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 tortillas. Were you trying to do that? On I was trying. I was trying to say it wrong, and then I messed myself. Tortillas. Up, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was just telling to. Oh God! I came out of the bathroom. Say, do you ever catch yourself saying things wrong in your own head before you even say it out in the world, but you still feel the need to confess it? Mm-hmm. So today I came out of the bathroom and I told Tim that so I was, I was like peeing and I was like, oh, I need to refill. And in my head I said, I need to refill the tortilla paper. <laughs> and I came out and confessed it to Tim. And yep. I was like, I thought in my head I said tortilla paper. <laughs> in the early days of uh, memes, there was a meme that was like the guy that's too high and it was him not being able to say things correctly. Like the one that talked about... Um, not being able to remember what a reservation was. So when they showed up to the restaurant, they said, I'm here for my food appointment. (laughs) I mean, which is very, I mean, technically that's very descriptive. Okay. So because of all this mass amount of people that are on their fucking way to their house, we see the Bates go to the grocery store for a big gigantic haul. Mm -hmm. And they talk about what I did on that last dig about the Bates, how Lawson is their family shopper. Right. And most of the girls actually hate any kind of shopping. Weird. They show them all being like, can we go? Oh, yeah. They're not having it. And how unusual it is for a 17-year-old boy to love grocery shopping so much. Yep. And I feel like we can cross off a pickle square. M- matching outfit. Oh. Are you? Okay. I was talking pickle. What's going on? Oh, the pi- the actual pickle square. Okay. That's funny. What um, are you talking about? The... So when like the the bottom like the bottom half of the kids that they have all the little boys were dressed the same. Okay. They all had khaki pants and like a dark polo and the same color dark polo. And where did that come from with me talking about pickles? Because in my head I was like I think I did what you did about tortilla paper where in my head I was calling us playing bingo pickles and I was like, "Oh, it's a pickle square." <laughs> okay, well I'm actually talking about actual pickles. Because, so they're, as we see them putting like seven giant jars of pickles into the cart, um, Lawson asks like a store worker if they have any more in the back. And there ends up being a pop-up box saying that they ended up getting 15 of those jars altogether. Insane. So I feel like that's pickle content. It's so many. And, um, you know, do you, I, I just wonder though, like, did they, did they get like Pringles in those amounts? Like... <laughs> Or is it just the pickles? Because Pringles, that's another Duggar delight. That's true. Oh. Just something to consider next time they come through town, Bates, if you're listening. I mean, which one of the Feral Lost Boys is going to be making relish for everybody? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, he's going to be, so, his jaw is going to be so Jason. tired. Jason. He's going to be so tired making pickle Which for... is funny. Do you remember how endearing Jason was in his birthday episode? Yeah. And then since then, I'm like, you're feral as fuck. He's the most <laughs> feral. But he still was really sweet in that episode. Uh, but uh, we're going to... Going forward, I'm, I got my eye on Jason. <laughs> oh, God. So they have a grip of carts. And their total ends up being $2,324.82. It's a lot. Which would be roughly $3,335.34 today. It was a lot of food. It was. Like, I was like, oh my God, there's so many carts. Like, it was. Now, I know that is a lot of people, but the thing that went through my head was like, TLC probably gave them a little bit oh. of help too. You know what I mean? They Having all these the people thing. there. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm like this as much as this is obviously a large amount, this isn't like normal for it's them. It's subsidized, yeah. Yeah. So the Duggars finally arrive with Lego hair giving the same booming hey hey <laughs> greeting as before as he steps off the bus. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm definitely watching going forward. Because I only really noticed it that last episode. I'm like, how many times in between have I maybe not up, right. you know, noticed? But I'll be watching. We did miss a tight-lipped kiss. Oh, did we? Where yeah. was it? Um, when and potentially in a Dorian gaze, it was when Lego I never was fucking pay attention to that. I swear, to Lego God. was picking the girls up, uh, from their like spa day. And then he was like, oh, hey, Michelle. And he like leaned in and kissed her. And then as she she was adoringly gazing at him, he was like, oh, wow, you look like a teenager, which was really fucking. I feel like I don't remember this at all. It was a it was when it pretty much was spliced between the end of the firefighter time and then when they got to the Bates house. So did you mark all those? I just marked those. Did you mark them? Um, I got a marker and gaze. I'm going with it. And you say I like pickle block you, but I'm <laughs> going with it. So don't ever say I don't allow things. All right. All right. So then Pest and Anna. So this is where I had a matching clothing, but we already have matching clothing. Oh, okay. But because they're both in green and it feels purposeful. You really? know, it like, probably is. It, Come like, on. it feels like it. But it's interesting because we didn't see them earlier, like involved in any of correct at that cabin in any of those scenes. Not at Jess's thing, mm-hmm. not at the bungee thing. And then all of a sudden they're there. So I'm like, were they always traveling with them or are they separate? And I don't know. I have no fucking clue. But right. suddenly Pest and Anna and the baby are there. Hell, at that point, it could have been that they were really late Duggar time wise. That's true. <laughs> so the episode ends with um, the Bates giving the Duggars a tour. So actually, real quick, when they show up, the Wilson's already there. Like, they're literally, oh, yeah. like, on the roof, like, mm-hmm. working and stuff already. So, they're right. already there. Like, Clark is, like, getting right to it because, you know, that's what he does. And so, Kelly and Gil are giving them a tour of just, like, all the progress that's been made since the last time they've been there. Mm-hmm. And I want to sp- specifically point out one thing. Okay. They're giving them a tour of the primary bedroom, and Kelly excitedly states how, with the size of the new room, they're going to be able to upgrade to a queen-sized bed. hmm So all these years, they've been doing the Humpty Hub on, like, what? Like, a full? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, what size Damn. bed? Have you been doing the Humpty Hump all these years <laughs> for these thousands of kids you have? Oh, man. Like, maybe that's why she's pregnant all the time. It's just too tight of a squeeze. Like, there's <laughs> nowhere, you, you know, they're not Whether even they were tr- trying or not. They're not even trying. It just happens. Close quarters. There's no <laughs> other place to put it. You know what I mean? Uh, that's all I could think of is like, that's why you're pregnant all the time. No TV. Full size bed for two grown ass adults. That's the problem. Oh man! He probably is just parking in her garage because there's no other place to do it. Right. The luge, the HOV lane. And you know when you're in really like we know from when the five seconds you moved into my room, mm-hmm. and we were sharing my uh, twin bed for five seconds before we could get his queen yep. mattress into my room. Like when you turn, you have to like flip. Yeah. Or you have to turn together. I think that's what happened. I think that they were facing <laughs> the right directions and 
one uh, of them started to turn. Yeah, that's the dangerous. That's the danger of a bed that small. Uh, that, those are my final thoughts, and that's really is the end of the episode. But yeah. I was just like, "You've been doing that on a what?" Yeah. <laughs> their house looks of the time, but their house looks good, way better than what they used to have. Yeah, the old house was seventeen hundred square feet, which is our house. And like even the like even the room where the kids were, where the boys were sleeping upstairs, it was like at the peak of the of the yeah they made the attic that wasn't really a room yeah and they had like eight what eight nine boys sleeping in there like eight boys sleeping in there and like really small beds on the side and like you can only stand up right down the middle (laughs) right so if you look they kind of just like opened up the the headspace they didn't really like that room wasn't like redone a whole lot other than making it where you didn't have to stand up just in the middle of the room you know yeah so so yeah that's it for the episode for me yeah that's it it was a, it was it was interesting to see the baits back because I feel like the baits are really hard and heavy there for a lot in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then we haven't kind of seen them in a while. So it was an interesting episode because it flipped around a lot. Nothing was very long. Yeah. It was like Jess's birthday, and then this for five seconds, and then this mm-hmm. for five. Like everything was super short. Like we're used to more like two giant segments about two specific things, and this yeah. was just like boop 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 boop. You know. Feels like they're trying to fill in the space after, um like the grand baby episode and you know feels like they're just trying to get that space back yep essentially a clip show i will say we only have two is it two two yeah two Two episodes left for the season after this yep winding down my peeps season three is winding down yep right in time for right in time for the holiday season yep so hopefully uh we'll have some more halloween content when he's been putting some halloween stuff up that's pretty exciting the mug mm-hmm. you know i've been trying I've been to mugging in the last couple mornings yeah so we got to keep that going my goal was to try to get her up to get her up to 30 mugs at some point so we got some good ones this year i'm excited yeah, but, and i think we're also ready to retire some so yep it's an evolving process it is. believe me if we haven't explained it well before, you don't remember, mugs are a thing with us. They're a whole fucking thing. It's a whole thing I with do, I do a whole display. I put a <clears throat> I put a table. I, I create a, uh, um, what's it called? Like a riser. And then I put a black tablecloth over our buffet. Mm. And then I have like a, a spidery, um, what do you call that? Candelabra. Candelabra. And then I have jars that have ghost marshmallows and pumpkin spice mar- marshmallows another one and then i have mm. my little halloween sprinkle so that's like the little coffee station that i have all my mugs on display yep. and every morning i wake up and i'm like what mug today <laughs> i have a little something for you guys <laughs> i went into the spare room closet and i dug out gorilla la <laughs> the getaway driver of the bananas and the cookies in the barbie ferrari with no windshield yep so here's what gorilla la sounds like He's missing both his hands. His head is starting to fall off. But he's still kicking. I feel We're that. the same age. We're both 33. There's a little wear to be had in both of us. Yeah. That is gorilla love for you ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that is what Easton was very afraid of. Poor Bop Bop. Yeah. Oh. I also have a note that I want to make before we start. Okay. I got the same bingo. Since the last time, you didn't realize at the end of the episode that we got you got a bingo. I did 
But we did. But we edited our recording, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna hold on to that until the. You second seriously part. got another bingo? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Right, that is then. number three, right. and that is uh, the second same uh, formation of bingo. Winnie's so angry right now. I'm I can not see angry. it on her face. I'm not angry. She took such a hard inhale on the breath she just took. She's I'm feeling, fine. She's in her feelings right now. All right, so Tim got another bingo. Yep. And cool. that was and we're gonna go to we're gonna go to the judges check. That was a phone belt clip, an adoring gaze, a pickle spot. Not the pickle spot, it's I guess the free space. The free space. Uh, mm-hmm. So the like matching, a lame bingo where you the matching to- clothing and the Joseph or J D speak. Oh so, okay. Uh we have a the the call on the field is confirmed. That is a bingo. Nice. Willie says, good job, Dad. No, good job, honey. There's so much condescension in that, it's ridiculous. Anywho's, are you ready to start? Sure. In honor of the spooky season and spooky behavior, uh, today we're going to be talking about Halloween. Okay, very appropriate. I felt like I was probably going to do this next week. I'm like, you know what? No, I want... I want you to have more time, like in, you know, in season. In season, okay. So, it's also very fitting that this is episode number 66. (laughs) We're just one six short of really freaking out some evangelicals here. I mean, Lego's not afraid of anything except those three numbers. And And animals. Ostriches, specifically. And beats two and four. (laughs) Yeah. So, setting the stage a little bit, if you've been on social media at all in the last several months, you're likely to have seen a video of a woman and her baby dressed as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, (laughs) with the mom saying, as Christians, we don't celebrate Halloween, but we like to dress up and have a little fun. You can find video after video of people reacting to this all along the same lines of, you just described Halloween. (laughs) The very thing you just claimed you don't celebrate, that's exactly what you're doing. Yep. Now, do you feel like that's like, like I don't, nobody looks at it and goes, oh, we're going to, we're going to have a pagan festival this year. Like when people are thinking of Halloween, they're thinking about spooky movies and haunted houses and dressing up and going to get candy like yeah and she came out later and was like i meant that as a christian i don't do anything demonic and it's like that's not what people assume with halloween we don't think everybody's like out summoning demons like i mean speak for yourself but true but the masses that's definitely not the that's definitely not the mass for some hey everybody has their things you do you do you but I don't think that's what everybody thinks of right away. Oh, man. So on that note, we're going to be talking about the same general idea. Christians claiming to either be against Halloween entirely or major aspects of it. Okay. And then participating in it in their own strange ways that they claim is totally different. <laughs> Today, we're going to be discussing hell houses. Okay. But before we dig in, first, let's talk about the history of Halloween in um in the evangelical community that got them to the point of hell houses in the first place. Okay. And just FYI, maybe some triggering things as we talk about. But then again, I just feel like if you're at episode sixty six of this podcast, you know <laughs> that every episode potentially has Of course. You know, not so great material that could be triggering. I mean Right. Some subject matter in there. Kinda par for the course here. 
So while there were certainly always some Christians who were against celebrating the holiday, you know, it's demonic, it's a day of the devil, and it glorifies death, you know, things like that. Go figure, much like the origin story of many topics we've discussed over the course of this podcast, it was in the early 70s that the campaign against Halloween began to pick up steam. Okay. Again, likely due to conservatives' response to the shifts and changing views of society and the various movements that they were against. So they swung real hard the other direction, getting even more conservative conservative than they already mm-hmm. were. On that note, it was televangelist Jerry Falwell, also the founder of Liberty University, that was one of the f- like the first more prominent people with a platform to begin preaching against Halloween in the early 70s. Hmm. He said it could be used to teach about devil worship and temptation. But if you could win against Halloween, you could make a strike against all the other ills of culture, such as sexual promiscuity and drugs. So, you know, it's Halloween and then you can get all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, just loop them all in. But it starts with Halloween, you know. And just because we've talked about him in the past... Like to bring him up every once in a while. Your boy. Which one? Oh God, which one? Tell me. Well, you said your boy, like you know, you know. Go ahead. Fellow televangelist Pat Robertson. There he is. Has also chimed in on the topic over the years, and he said a lot of things. But um, he's warned that Halloween was a day when millions of children celebrated Satan. Oh my God. Apparently, I was Halloweening wrong my entire childhood because i was never doing that i was doing it all wrong it's all about the dots he doesn't understand you weren't celebrating satan you were celebrating that box that had like four dots and i love dots and you know that don't you (laughs) love them they're so sticky in your teeth but yet i love them i looked forward i i I traded for them i was like give me a dot yeah little boxes of dots and funny that i love dots pretzels (laughs) love all things dots Mm -hmm. funny i would love that in a fucking Trick or treat now? Give me some fucking Dots pretzels? A little roll of Smarties? I was a big Smarties fan during Halloween. I just like to pretend Smarties are pills. (laughs) Swallow one. I was like, I gotta take my my medicine. (laughs) Take my mubbies. For our cats, we say mubbies for the bubbies. (laughs) We're like, time for mubbies. Mubbies for the bubbies. Back to Jerry Falwell. So Jerry decided to take his preaching against Halloween to a, you know, just like, step further and in 1972 he opened Scaremare at his home church thomas road baptist church in virginia i'm ready Scaremare was a haunted house style attraction but make it christian scary but with a twist of salvation designed with the intent to make you consider what will come of you after you die okay Scaremare was taking off all the while anti-Halloween sentiments in general continue to grow across the country. Got to ride that wave. Largely due to all the over, you know, the, the, the overall social climate of mass hysteria at the time. Mm-hmm. This was like the heart of like satanic panic. Well, we're getting there. Not yeah. we're, we're still in the 70s right now. Mm-hmm. So this is when stories of razor blades and apples and poisoned candy were all, you know, everywhere. Which I'm actually going to sidestep for a second and give the story behind those two things. Okay. The poison candy thing stems from a 1970 article in the New York Times where the possibility of trick-or-treating being used as a way to poison and hurt children 
was first posed. It was written in an editorial, kind of like rhetorical nature, with the author, for example, wondering if that plump red apple from the kindly old lady down the block may have a razor blade hidden inside. But people are people, and they're fucking stupid. So they took this as fact, and the rest was Halloween urban legend history. Wow. Then, just two days after that article was published, so now it's actually Halloween day of 1970. Okay. A five-year-old boy died after consuming heroin. Sounds like the boy's uncle jumped at the chance to use this newfound fear that was mounting because he claimed it was in the boy's Halloween candy. But it turns out the boy got it from the uncle's house. Go figure. So, not true at all. And why would you make your child ingest heroin or make your nephew ingest heroin to prove a point? It was in capsules, which I mean, did I didn't know heroin. Okay, I mean, I'm not well versed in drug. I thought like heroin, you just like shot up heroin and shit like that. And so they were talking about it being in a capsule. Like the amount that was in the boy was the amount that would be in a capsule, and there was capsules in his house. Oh my god! I'm like heroin came in capsules. <laughs> I don't know these things. Did you know it came in capsules? I don't know a whole lot about heroin. So the kid just ate this at his house, and then the uncle was just like, oh, See? oh, oh, look, look, because he that uh. this was happening. So it was like convenient for him to be able of to course. Then, you know, use that. So then, on Halloween 1974, another little boy died. This time, it really was from consuming Halloween candy. But it turns out it was because his father had put cyanide in a pixie stick. Oh, my so God. So he, he murdered his child. So, but this is everybody else's fault. Yes. So this is why you can't just say shit like this. This lady's, like, rhetorical question um, it's dangerous and irresponsible, mm-hmm. first of all, because it caused this fucking panic. But also, it gives people these, like, cover-up ideas, which, uh-huh. granted, luckily, these people were fucking stupid, and they were caught quickly. But mm-hmm. still, it's just not okay. This is why you don't just say shit like yeah. this. But yeah, so many people took this as fact, and, like, like, it all really happened. Of course. Adding more fuel to the fire, a 1975 Newsweek article full of bullshit yeah. just made things even worse, saying things like, quote, over the past several several years, several children have died and hundreds have narrowly escaped injury from razor blades, sewing needles, and shards of glass put into their goodies by adults, which is not true in the least. No. <laughs> like, it's not true. No. So, you know. It's like today where they're talking about, like, be careful. Your kids, are, like, people are handing out edible, like, THC gummies to kids. And the whole thing is, like, you know what I'd rather do with that is things aren't things aren't cheap. I'm not going to buy these things and give them to your fucking rugrats. Yeah. Why would it, like, that's stupid. I'm going to have them for a night at home for myself. Exactly. Who's wasting you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lock the fucking door <laughs> and I'm going to eat a couple and I'm going to watch a scary movie. Like, yeah, who's wasting their money on that, that for, for, like yeah it's yeah it's like the old fentanyl thing where it's like yes that's what they're going to use that for not selling it to make a lot of money yep but and the thing is and even if there was ever one instance it turns into this whole thing where it's like see the the, yeah and it's like generally people like you said are not just giving away their drugs (laughs) like that's just not (laughs) what's happening no 
So I know that those weren't religious based instances, but I went on, you know, I went off on that tangent just to sort of highlight some of the other reasons that contributed to Mm -hmm. Halloween becoming such a fear during this time period. And then, like you kind of mentioned, Tim, you get to the 1980s with the satanic panic and for fucking forget about it. Like it's all over. (laughs) So between this perceived idea that people are out to get your children with poison and razor blades, plus the growing mindset of deeming literally everything, even Care Bears, as demonic, you can get the feel for why this anti-Halloween sentiment was growing. Mm -hmm. To them, everything about it was evil, from the supposed Satan worship and glorifying of death to evil people out to get your children. So combine this sort of hysterical mindset and the success of Scaremare, and now the Hell House is born. It seems that most people credit the Hell House put on by Trinity Assembly of God in Cedar Hill, Texas, as the first of its kind, starting in 1990. They describe their Hell House as, quote, like a haunted house, but with a ministry emphasis. Sounds riveting. All I could think of was, here we go again. Another example of hiding behind the guise of ministry. (laughs) They'd get along well with Jim Bob Duggar. Obviously inspired by Jerry Falwell's Scaremare, but it was even more extreme. Scaremare had been less graphic and avoided actually depicting hell. Okay. But this hell house said, fuck it, and they went full-blown. Balls to the wall. After Trinity's hell house opened in Texas, they began popping up all over the country via evangelical churches. Surprise, surprise. A huge majority of them being in the South. And they became a yearly staple of the season. (laughs) Great. Some of them went by different names, like Judgment Houses, and I even came across one or two called Hallelujah Houses. Oh my god. (laughs) But whatever the name may be, the basic concept was the same. Try to get people to accept the Lord by scaring the fucking shit out of them. (laughs) In fact, the motto for the Potter's House Hell House was, it will scare the hell out of you. See what they did there? I do. See, see, See what they did? And uh, I, I saw a meme that cracked me up that said, hell houses were a wild concept. Like churches literally said, we need to get in on this Halloween thing. What's the scariest thing we can think of? And the answer was our theology. <laughs> so these hell houses would show scenes of sin that would, and what that would mean in terms of your salvation. And while, of course, there were some differences between these various hell houses... A few key scenes seem to be pretty standard across the board. Okay. Many had a funeral scene with a man in a casket portrayed as a gay man who had died from AIDS. There would be mourners dressed in all black, weeping the loss. And oftentimes either Satan himself or like a a minion of Satan, if you will. Okay. Would make an appearance taunting that a death by AIDS is a victory of Satan. Obviously, a scare tactic against homosexuality. Of course. Showing a young person out drinking was another common one (gasps) that usually had an ending of them dying in a car accident from drinking and driving. Mm. Or, to up the ante over the years, some of them made it so that they survived the crash, but that family members and friends did not. So, extra Uh, guilt factor. Copy that. 
And this one seemed like a scene that stuck with a lot of people because of the production value behind it. Like some churches literally got old salvaged cars and would like crash, like wrap it around like a pole Mm -hmm. um, and have a person inside playing dead. And it would be all like mangled and uh, sounded like it, like a lot of hell houses were able to make it look very real. Okay. So it was like really hit people hard because of how realistic it came compared to some of the other ones. Okay. The stories would vary behind the lead up to it, but there was almost always a suicide scene. And as I read accounts of several people's memories, I couldn't help but notice that they usually made it a girl who committed suicide. Interesting. Actually, um, many of the people depicted in various scenes of the Hell Houses, I'd say like more of them were depicted by girls than guys. Well, women, am I, I mean, right? you know, us They're women. are the irresponsible ones. We're to blame for everything, so yep. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. God damn it, Eve. You know, like, it, but it makes sense. So they're like, we've got to skew this like an 80-20. Yeah. Woman to man, you know, thing. Am I right? Women, am I right? Any hoozle. So their suicide scenes were also super victim blamey too. Go surprise, f- go surprise. figure. For example, it would be a girl who went to a rave. Very 90s. Think of all those backbeats she was listening (laughs) to. I mean, it makes sense. Yep. So it's a girl that went to a rave and then was raped while she was there and would later commit suicide because of it. Which we know wasn't them looking at it through the lens of, you know, trying to process trauma and how trauma itself can affect our mental health and decision making. This ain't that. No. This is... You shouldn't have been at the rave with boys giving them ideas. Mm-hmm. Bet she was even wearing like a short skirt too, huh? Oh, don't even get me started. So, yeah, little victim blame me if you ask me. And of course, there always had to be an abortion scene. <laughs> a lot of times it centered around a botched abortion to really scare you. Well, lots, yeah. Lots of blood and of you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But here's a description of one specifically that's from a 2017 Vice article written by Josiah Hess or Hesse. I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, But that didn't take the botched approach. And this is what he said, quote, It was during this scene that I saw a demon coerce a mother to force her young daughter to get an abortion that she clearly did not want. The mother kept saying, this baby is going to ruin your life. As the doctor was performing the girl's operation, a nearby demon, you know, they're just hanging well, out. Just, yeah. Just what they do. Waiting for the boss, you know. Just a nearby demon was there um, and explained, this woman honestly believes she's providing a service of all because of women's rights. My body, my choice. Well, actually, it's my choice. Now give me that little morsel in your tummy. Uh, was said demon um, twisting a mustache because it sounds very old timey bad guy. And then he says tummy. <laughs> you know, I'm like tummy. I'm like the scripting on this. I mean, it's already lame. Like, well, it's already, were... but I'm like, now give me that little morsel in your tummy. Well, you know, they wanted to scare people into into not celebrating Halloween, but I mean. They didn't need to be grotesque, you know. <laughs> There's lines to be drawn. Even demons have lines, Whitney. <laughs> uh, 
And just for the record, as far as I could tell in interviews and things, um, an abortion scene is one thing that specifically Scaremare always avoided. Okay. Uh, unless they changed it in the last couple of years, but every article I could see up until just a few years ago, that was just something that they always opted not to do. Well, these days I feel like they would do it. <laughs> I feel like maybe um, that went out the window. Oh, and this one I'm just—I didn't even write it down, but I'm just kind of remembering it, talking like talking about more of these abortion scenes. Okay. One was talking about like a person was like, I think they were like, I was ten going through this house or something, oh and it, they. Sh- the scene was of a like a 16 year old girl giving birth she has she gives birth to the baby and then tells the doctor that she doesn't want it so then the doctor just, just kills the baby well that's how it goes right and, and that's what i'm just like yeah because that's what that's, that's exactly what happens. this works just really making up all kinds of oh, shit aren't they but these people will believe it yeah so those seem to be some of the mainstay scenes homosexuality drunk driving suicide and abortion okay but they'd the, the greatest hits yes <laughs> but they'd sprinkle in whatever else they needed to round out the album you know okay. whatever they needed like drug use like and one example of a depiction was where the consequences were that the person was too high themselves to notice that their friend was ODing and then couldn't get them help so then their friend dies so mm. that that's how they will do those types of things okay so now that we've gotten a general idea of what it's like to go through the various rooms and scenes of the house, now let's talk about how they ended. A lot of times the people you saw in earlier scenes would be shown again at the end, depicted as being sent to hell for their sins, saying things along the lines of, it's so hot, it's too late for me, but it's not too late for you. But now for the big finale. Oh man, I'm ready. Each had their own tactics that, you know, varied slightly. Some more extreme than others, but pretty much all of them were manipulative in nature. Surprise, surprise, surprise. surprise. <laughs> it was pretty rare that you just got to, like, leave at the end. <laughs> that didn't just, like, happen. Sometimes you were led into a prayer room or even forced to sit through a full sermon. Oh, my God. Um. Side note, though, this made me think of while I was doing research, I came across um, a Dallas Observer uh, in 2018 article called Hell Houses are a cross between a haunted house and a timeshare sales pitch. Oh, damn. (laughs) And that title gave me a a good chuckle. You go through, but just sit here for a little bit and listen. And, you know, like that's it's pretty much. And you'll get free Disneyland tickets at the end of it. As if being forced to sit through a sermon or sales pitch at the end wasn't bad enough. Some of the worst ones I read about were ones where you were locked in a room as a group. Sometimes even in the dark and were only let out one by one to meet with church leaders. That one's rough. Um, And then they'd sit there and they would discuss with you what you just saw and where you were with your own salvation and how if you followed the same path as what you'd just seen, you too would end up in hell. (laughs) Which is like fucked up, right? Like they're leading you through in groups and then they hold you in a fucking dark room only to be let out after a pressure filled meeting with the pastor. (laughs) Just imagine how long people were just sitting there waiting to get out of this fucking room. Like awful. Anybody would accept Christ just to get out of there. <laughs> um, oh, I got a little head, but surprising to absolutely no one at this point. A lot of the times you were pressured to, you know, give was, give your life to Christ. 
Sorry, I was supposed to put on my surprise face. What? <laughs> right then and there, that very night, nothing like the fear and peer pressure to get someone to accept Christ, you know? I mean, what other way is there to do it? I can't think of another way, can you? <laughs> uh, and like someone, one of them, someone's personal account was like, they put them in a school bus afterwards. Like they made everybody get on an old school bus and like they walked up and down and they're like if you're accepting christ look me right in the eye and then they would like go up and down the aisle and like try to make you like look them in the oh eye my like it's so fucked up so that gives you a general idea of what goes on in these hell houses <laughs> and like i mentioned earlier they were popping up all over the u.s throughout the 90s but there were a few key ones that sort of like were the leaders of the pack Besides Trinity, another heavy hitter in the game is Destiny Church of, of the Assemblies of God in Thornton, Colorado. Okay. Their pastor, Keenan Roberts, first opened his Hell House in 1995. So a, a few years after Trinity. Mm-hmm. But he took it to another level by starting to sell Hell House, Hell House kits that other churches could then purchase to help start their own. You got to maximize. Yep. So he is a major part of the reason why they were able to spread so quickly in the 90s. Oh, my goodness. People didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. They paid like $300 for this kit. Yep. So this kit included scripts for scenes. If he wrote the tummy, the morsels in the tummy, (laughs) Keenan, was that you? Keenan Roberts, that you? Keenan, tell me the truth. Morsels in the tummy. (laughs) Sounds like you. Was that the scariest thing you could imagine? (laughs) If there was a demon here... Do you think they would say, tell me? Like that was him workshopping. (laughs) In the early days, this kit included cassette tapes. Oh, damn. Of music, but later down the road would just become a list of music suggestions. It also gave detailed information on costumes and props, including how to select the... Oh, ready? Ready for this? Oh, God. Including how to select the best cut of meat to depict an aborted fetus. Saying, quote, purchase a meat product that closely resembles pieces of a baby to be placed in a glass bowl. So somehow that's okay and normal and you're just going to like know what looks like a fucking fetus. Um, You know, but God forbid you fucking hang a ghost thing on your porch of your house. (laughs) Like, It makes no fucking sense. Well, it's because one of them is supposed to guilt other people into joining your religion. That ghost isn't guilting anybody into doing anything. That's true. He hasn't been through the... He hasn't He hasn't seen the script. He hasn't been through this. He doesn't no. know. Hasn't workshopped no. any words. There were also tips for getting media attention and how to handle any community questions and criticism. Oh. The whole how-to package deal. The, the PR package, yeah. This led to others doing the same, and there's even a Florida-based company called Judgment House that sells the same kinds of packages. They've even moved into creating scripts for plays for churches that don't want to do a full-blown like house, but they want to spread the same message in a performance. Ah. They still sell these to this very day and wow. have a whole testimonials page on their site titled Victory Victory Reports of 2023. Wow. Victory Reports. What a uh... 
How much would these packages cost? Did you look? Um, this one, I, I felt like when I looked, I didn't see like an actual checkout page. I might have to look and maybe update people. Those early ones from the first one, it was like $300 back in the early 90s. So probably, it's I mean, a good amount of, good money, amount of yeah. money, but I'm not entirely sure what they they cost now. Now I want to talk about how things progressed over the years with these hell houses. Okay. They just got more and more graphic over time. In fact, Trinity Church's Hell House. So just a reminder, the sort of pioneer behind the Hell House versus like the slightly more tame Scaremare. So Trinity was highly criticized for having a Columbine reenactment scene in October of 1999. A mere six months after the shooting occurred. Seems in bad taste. Terrible. Fucking awful. (laughs) And it depicted the shooter's working as agents of Satan as they killed their classmates. Mm. But Trinity stood behind this decision entirely, like no qualms, saying, quote, the best way to save kids is to scare them. It's fucking gross. Wow. Something that just happened. And that was like an early. Yeah. That was in a completely she, different Like that was time. a huge thing. And mm-hmm. then six months later, like we're going to, we're going to fucking put this in our house. And like parents of. It didn't say what I saw. Didn't say like victims' parents, but it just said parents of Columbine students were like speaking out, being like, "This is not okay." Terror. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, people yeah. were pissed, as they should be. And so this led to a lot of media attention for Trinity, and okay. because of that attention, they became the subject of a 2001 documentary simply titled Hell House. And in the documentary, it follows the youth group that, you know, helps put this on. Everything it takes leading up to the opening of the house, showing several scenes from the actual performance, as well as um, some focus on the teens that are acting and, you know, participating in it. So, I guess we'll have to watch that at some point. Okay. But- it sounds... I'll, there's so many things that are wrong with everything about this, but... Gets worse, though. Oh, God. But Trinity wasn't the only hell house that added a Columbine scene that year. It became a whole damn thing. Like, everyone was fucking running with this. Okay. And one of those churches that did it was the Potter's House. I mentioned them very briefly earlier because of their motto, it'll scare the hell out of you. Mm -hmm. But this also reminded me to add them to my dig list. So I could go on and on about them, but keeping it going today. Okay. Like I said, they also did the Columbine bullshit. So, they went so far as to even include a girl acting as Cassie Bernal, the Columbine student who is rumored to have responded yes when one of the gunmen asked her if she believed in God. That's since there's been a question of that. Like, her parents wrote a book as if that's what happened. I read the book when I was Mm. a kid because my friend had it. Mm -hmm. The same friend that was worried about my soul after Ah. that friend. Okay. She had the book. I read it from her. I remember all of it. But... So her parents wrote it because that's what they were told. But then a bunch of people came forward and being like, no, she yeah, actually wasn't the one there. Like there was like, a, they said it was like another person. Okay. So, so it did happen. It just wasn't her. That's the thing. It's if I, if I get it correct, I think so. But either way, there's, so there's all this question surrounding it, but whatever. Um, so, and they kept it going. They also showed the gunman asking her why she believes such nonsense as they throw a Bible violently at before shooting her in the head. Yeah. The Potter house. Um, their hell house was actually briefly shut down that year after police came and confiscated two guns that they had used as props. 
Okay. The ones from the Columbine scene. Real guns. Yeesh. They were allowed to reopen after agreeing to remove the real guns from their production. But all the while, their pastor insisted that they had only been loaded with blanks. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. Those aren't dangerous, right? Awesome. Pastor also said, quote, we're doing this to present the gospel. It's the world oh. we live in. Do we talk about Never Never Land or reality? Yes, we're trying to scare them, but they see twice as much violence on TV every week. Mm. This isn't the first time that the Potter's Hell House has gotten backlash, though. Two years prior, back in 1997, there was a major uproar from the community, deservedly so, when one of the scenes depicted a young boy being molested by his father and the boy later raping a girl before chopping her head off. Wow, okay. Fucking churches putting this on. Well, they need to show you how bad it is out there. And, you know, you know a bunch of these kids going through this house or even helping put it on this house come f- from homes and families where they can't watch Casper the Ghost, the friendly <laughs> fucking ghost. They can't watch Hocus Pocus. But here they are reenacting murder, sexual abuse, and beheadings. <laughs> But, you know, it's those Sanders sisters you really got to watch out for. <laughs> it's those Sarah Jessica Parker with the boobs. That's what you got to watch out for. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's disgu- like a church. Like, let's just depict mm. sexual abuse, rape, and beheadings. You know, yeah. totally fucking normal. Yep. It's for the gospel. Yeah. It's ministry. It's disgusting. And they'll sit here and judge people like me because I like a horror f- movie, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wh- look what you're doing. You're doing it to... Anyways, I'll get into this later. <laughs> if for some reason you're worried that these hell houses didn't keep up with the times... I hopefully, I no- am. hopefully nobody's actually <laughs> worried about that. Um, they have... For example... Remember how earlier I mentioned a common Hell House scene in the 90s was a girl being raped at a rave? Mm-hmm. Well, rave culture isn't quite what it was <laughs> back then now. Like, it's not as relevant. So they've switched things up. Okay. Modernized things, if you will. Instead, today the scene might look like a girl posting sexy pictures of herself on Tinder. Mm. and showing up to her date with a match only to find herself a prisoner of a sex track of trafficking ring okay so they've they've tried to modernize great great you mean rave culture is not as big so you're saying you don't believe you're better off alone anymore do you think you're better off alone? oh so good <laughs> shout outs to my buddy wally that listens to this podcast it was the beginning because it was just the beat and then it would go bump okay me and witty have had nights oh. where we would like make dinner and just listen to like 90s techno and, and i it- get crazy zone minutes on my fitbit <laughs> yeah yeah, you're in that. You're burning calories. I burned some kcal's, y'all. Yeah, listening I, to "I'm Blue" and "I'm Blue." <laughs> oh man, I could keep going. Oh, blue man. his house with the blue little window. Okay, back to serious things. 
So modernizing now it's instead of rave, it's sex trafficking. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So a 2022 Vice article titled Evangelical Hell Houses Are Waking Nightmares describes one such scene in a hell house of a sex trafficking victim saying, quote, a demon who had been, oh, this is so gross. A demon who had been lurking in the background the whole time, suddenly orchestrating the kidnapping, laughed sinisterly, saying, all Jessica wanted was a fun night with a nice guy. Now she'll be having fun with a lot of guys for a long time. Is that not fucking disgusting? But in their head, they're justified. It's the, it's the fuck, you know, again, the victim blaminess of it all with this, you know, like this slut wanted to be noticed by guys by posting pictures and going out on <gasps> dates, you know, <laughs> and now she's got all kinds of guys like, look, she got what she wanted. Right. Like, those are her consequences. That's how they're painting it. Mm-hmm. And the, the line of she'll be having fun with a lot of guys for a long time. Truly one of the sickest things I've ever heard in my life. It's bad. Fucking disgusting. Yeah. Um, What was his... Um, Chris, that douche canoe from last week's episode. He <laughs> needs to hear this. This is actually deplorable. Not Jill's pina colada and Derek's two fucking beers. <laughs> this is what deplorable actually looks and sounds like. Yeah. Having fun with lots of guys for a long time. Victim of sex trafficking. That's just like the fact that anyone would say that disgusting. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this is coming from a church. Yeah. I I don't even. I can can barely speak like it's. Yeah. I can't even believe it. It's fucking asinine. Like. But they're doing it because they're doing it to teach a lesson. Ministry, See, guys. So, ministry. Yeah, it's for ministry. For the for the gospel. If this is the gospel, don't want to fucking hear it. <laughs> that's not the gospel, you fucking assholes. Yeah. Like that's not gospel. I don't care who the fuck you are, where the fuck yeah. you're from. That's not what how you do this. It's so disgusting. Cutting through like a like a mindset thing. It reminds me of political ads. But not the ones where it's like, hey, these are the things that this person voted for. It's the attack ads on their on their opponents. Because the music is always bad. There's always these parts that are in black and white. There's three words of a quote that are taken out of context. And this isn't even pointing in any direction of the political spectrum. But it's just they're, they groups are allowed to promote these messages that have all these lies and stupid things in them. And then it's, well, that's just the, I mean, everybody does it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So another way that these hell houses have kept up with the times is to include more modern social issues to their scenes, like scenes with Black Lives Matter protests and Trump rallies, among other similar modern day references. Because, you know, got to stay relevant. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get boring. No, no, no. I mean, kids are already not interested in a lot of organized religion, so you got to keep them hooked. And, and you know, you got to keep up with the ever-changing fears of society, <laughs> like this next one, for example. 
if you live here in the U.S., you know that shootings are a regular occurrence, with there having been over 500 at the time of me writing this dig, just in 2023. So obviously they need to tap into that fear too. Sarcasm. I hope you guys are picking up on that. Yeah. Sarcasm. It may have started with their Columbine scenes, but they evolved to be even more frightening, making people believe it's actually real and not just a reenactment. So like Columbine, people knew that they were watching a reenactment of Columbine. Mm -hmm. But in a 2018 article from The Cut, a woman named um, Dana recounted her experience. Okay. And I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it's worth it. So Dana said, We went several years in a row with my youth group, so I got to know it pretty well. But one year, they added a new scene. I don't exactly remember how it started, but I think at the beginning of the scene, you were watching a guy talk to himself or something. And after a couple of minutes of this, it was like they broke the fourth wall. You could hear the cast and crew in the background talking louder and louder, and then people with headsets started to race through the crowd. And they're going, we got to get out of here. Somebody's got a gun. It turned into panic, into pandemonium, and it felt real. This was in the late 90s or early 2000s, so after Columbine. And we all thought this was really happening. I was with my youth group, and I remember my youth pastor tried to get our group to a circle to circle up together in the middle of all this and hold hands and pray, like as a protection measure, which really, okay. But I remember I couldn't join the group because I just couldn't move. I was stuck. It was like the fight or flight response, but it wasn't either of those. Really, because I was just frozen. I was watching everything like it was in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And then the room went black. And a gun noise went off with the flash. It sounded exactly like somebody had come in and started shooting in the room. People were crouching. People were screaming. Because we all thought it was real. We all really thought we were going to die. And then it was quiet. And a voice comes on overhead that said something like, What if this was real? Would you be going to heaven or hell? Everything about that makes me really mad. I know. (laughs) Like... She said, I still can't believe that really happened. At the time, I wasn't angry or anything. All I felt was relief that I wasn't going to die. I was so active in youth group, and I even went to a Christian high school, like on my church's property. This was my world. But it's like, how shitty to do that to people. You couldn't do it now because of how prevalent gun violence is now. It would be so dangerous, but it was dangerous then, too. So fucked up. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so fucked up. And you know that some person that came up with this as their programming was like, oh, man, this is going to be is, so this good. This is going to hit You hard. know they were fucking jacking we're gonna, themselves off. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, it's all gross. I think it's all mm-hmm. disgusting. But this just crosses a fucking line where you actually make people, like, they all really thought they were dying that day. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, oh, I'm clearly watching this scene that's freaking me out and even, you know... You know, these things are even scenes that weren't where you really thought it was happening still traumatize people for life. But this is on another fucking level. Yeah. Oof. Another story from the same cut article was from a woman named Casey. And I think it illustrates really well how things stick with you even when you logically know differently. But it's still kind of you still get taken back there. Mm -hmm. So she begins by saying that she went to hell houses every year as a child. And there was, of course always an abortion scene 
and they're always very graphic with lots and lots of blood everywhere she said Mm -hmm. like when i was reading about some of them they were like literally they would have blood squirting out of a girl's like vaginal area which I'm like, for a church, I'm like, this is wild. Like, yeah. It's, it's fucking wild. This is ministry, right? <laughs> this is modern ministry, Gospel. okay? Gospel. She said, quote, I still think about it sometimes. This is a little bit TMI, but about 10 years ago, I was in the bathroom at my restaurant job, and I had my period. And I was bleeding, like, an excessive amount. And this substance came out, Who's no- who knows what it was. But it brought me back immediately to that scene in the Hell House. Like, am I somehow having an abortion? It was so scary. I'm okay, obviously, but that completely brought back that memory of the hell house. I thought I was about to bleed to death. And so I think in the moment she knows that, like, there's just, like, that logical going back and forth with, like, oh, my God, and, like, remembering what you saw. And and I didn't even write another one down, but, like, you know how earlier I said that the car accident ones really stuck with people? Yeah. I didn't write it down because it was a little bit shorter and whatever, but in this same article, it was just people like talking about their experiences. Mm-hmm. And one girl said that she ended up being totally fine and everything, but she hi- was hydroplaning in her car and she ended up crashing. But the whole time she was hydroplaning, she said all she could see were the images of hell houses. Oh my gosh. So it's like this, this shit stuck with people yeah. even, even when they knew it wasn't real. Like they knew that abortion scene wasn't real. Mm-hmm. They knew that the car scene, but it still stuck with them as like, yeah. That's the first thing their mind goes to as an adult. Jeez. Now I want to shift into some of the other controversy and criticism surrounding these hell houses. Besides their horrific premise scenes and (laughs) manipulation tactics. Although I guess this could actually still be considered another form of manipulation. But there's been a lot of criticism of the way that many of them advertise. Okay. They very much try to appear as though they're a run-of-the-mill haunted house. Okay. Their flyers will often give no indication that it's religious-based at all or put on by a church. And they often use their youth to go out around town offering up free tickets to a haunted house. Mm. People have no idea what it really is. And then when they finally do realize it through as they start going through scenes, it's too late. They won't let you out, so you have no choice but to go through each of the rooms. Wow. And then get stuck in a sermon or (laughs) whatever the fuck it is or be let out one by one, whatever they do. And while some are held at their churches, which might be an indicator, many are not. They rent out random empty spaces and strip malls or fairgrounds, sometimes even houses. But even if they are at their church, I think some people might just assume they rented out a space because they're often built out like in little sheds right and things like in the parking lot mm-hmm. so you may not necessarily it may not occur to people who are just show up because of a random flyer or free tickets from a teenager in the mall you know <laughs> that they're showing up to a church right. sanctioned event you know so it's very purposefully misleading because they just want to get you in the door and um later on when i was looking to see if there are any in arizona which I'll get to later. I did find like a YouTube video of people that were filming, like yelling at like a pastor or like a worker because they were just like, wait, you tricked like being like, we had no idea what we we're getting mm-hmm. into. They just thought they're and they're filming it. And apparently like in the scene. They 
they say a homosexual slur Mm -hmm. and the people are like you just can't say these things and you didn't we didn't know that this is what we're doing and Mm -hmm. the guy is like what people say things all the time like i mean like it was oh of course it was he was like color me surprised it was oh it's disgusting but basically they were just like we didn't even know what we're going to and then we get in there and then that's what we have to listen to (laughs) so yeah they're very misleading on purpose so in a 2019 article titled Hell Houses Have No Place in Christianity, the author Lawrence Ware stated it perfectly, saying, quote, they're successful in creating converts out of young people who have no idea what they're walking into. Hmm. And it is this numbers game that keeps them in business. In the eyes of most churches, having people say they've given their life to Jesus is more important than showing people the beautiful struggle that is a life dedicated to living out the principles of Christianity. Well, like you said, they can't pull in people by presenting them something that will in in it like it, what am I trying to say? That'll like get people in the doors. So you got to trick people in there oh, to yeah. scare them, and then. And think of how many of them that like invite. You know how like the same way you get invited by your friends to go to this youth event that is just like, hey, we're going ice skating, and then before you know, you're fucking in it. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's that same idea. But imagine the bigger draw of being like, invite your friends from school to a haunted house. Yeah, like it's so mm-hmm. on purpose. One of my really good friends when I was in high school was from China, and I remember there was a concerted effort for a chunk of time for these people that I was friends with that to get him to go to their church. And I just remember it was a lot of that. Like they invited him to a lot of like the, Hey, come and meet. And I specifically remember one of my friends being like, Oh, we do this on this night. Oh, there's tons of girls there. And and I'm like, that's how you're, that's how you're inciting him to go because he's like, cool. It's people our age and cool. And not realizing that he's going to like a church function. Yeah. You know, they did their same sort of uh, advertising, leaving out some key things. <laughs> so speaking of numbers, because Chicks, I, man. <laughs> because of how that guy says it's a numbers thing. Um, not that we can confirm these to be true or not by any means. But in a 2004 Washington Post article, Keenan Roberts, pastor from Colorado, who was the first to start selling the hell house kits Mm -hmm. the one i'm blaming on the tummy morsels (laughs) you know that's his problem um he claimed at the time that about thirteen thousand people up to that point had been converted by attending hell houses oh i mean i don't know where he got that from he gives no other explanation there's no statistics there's no where he gathered this there's nothing so um i don't know but he expanded by saying quote Graphic is relevant. You've got to do something that really gets their attention. Be disgusting and be deplorable. Um, there you go. It works. You know, because that's the only way to do it. Yeah, because, you know, they look at that and the first thing they go is, I need organized religion in my life. Fuck, right? You're like, it's <laughs> gross. So now let's talk about hell houses today. While some do still exist, they're not nearly as prevalent as they once were in the 90s and early 2000s. Another nail in their coffin, merp, Mm. thank you, was COVID. After having to cease operation for several years due to the pandemic, many just never came back after, even after it was allowed again. So 
that's good. I'm not upset. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of good about that time, but... <laughs> yeah, there's one silver lining, we I guess. We got one. We got one good thing. <laughs> Scaremare, however, the OG that inspired so many, still operates today. Okay. 51 years later. Wow. Instead of being put on by the late Jerry Falwell's home church, though, for many years now, it's been produced by students of his Liberty University. On their website, it says, quote, Scaremare presents funhouse rooms and scenes of death in order to confront people with the question, what happens after I die? Oh, God. Because that was one thing that Jerry would say. He's like, we're, they, they're like, you know, we, we do a lot of death, but we don't do a lot of hell. So it's like they have no problem showing death scenes, but they're like, oh, but we don't show hell. Because so. that makes it better. Yeah. Good job, Jer. Also on their uh, website, it states that since 1972, more than 300,000 people have been through the attraction. Okay. And I couldn't, I, because I was in the midst of all of this and I had bigger things to worry about, I didn't spend an ass load of time doing it. But I couldn't find anything on Trinity and Assemblies of God, the Keegan guys' websites. Mm-hmm. To see if they still operate today. If they do, they're doing it on the DL in the sense that it's not like on it's not on their page or easy to find on okay. their main church website. And I could see it going both ways. I could see mm-hmm. that they just don't do it anymore. Yeah. Or I could see them being like, We're gonna act we're gonna keep this totally separate and right. like not put it on our website. <laughs> so We watched one of these in a documentary last Halloween. It was a history channel, yeah. Yeah, it was a history channel doc that was about like the w- different ways that like society celebrates Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of things. I think there was like a little amusement park part of it, probably for like Halloween Horror Nights or something. And then there was kind of some, you know, different things. And it showed kind of folks that were, um, you know, just doing their different versions of it. But I do remember that there mm-hmm. was one of these in there at the end. Because I-, I posted a little clip of it on our Instagram mm-hmm. last year. So now I want to connect this back to how I opened this dig with the lady saying that, you know, as a Christian, she doesn't celebrate Halloween, but they like to dress up and have fun. I feel like that's what these hell houses are like. Yeah. It's like Halloween is bad. It's a day full of demonic practices and evil. But how can we tap into that? Yeah. You know, and haunted houses bad because they'll even say oh well we don't believe in hauntings because we're christians we don't believe in that but they're like but uh let's replicate it yeah you know so while granted i know that because these were open to the general public and they were intended to and did did draw in outsiders you know people outside of their congregation Mm -hmm. so many of the people that were there like showed up to these things were you know some weren't didn't have any kind of religious background at all to Christians who did still celebrate Halloween. So, you know, you got your whole spectrum of it people. It ran the gamut, yeah. yeah. Um, but the biggest irony in all of this to me are the ones who would have never been allowed to participate or see something even remotely like this otherwise. Yeah. But since it had like the church stamp on it, like well, it was allowed. Mm-hmm. The kids whose parents, you know, never let them watch a single fucking Halloween movie or any kind of like suspense thriller Mm -hmm. or could never dress up and go trick or treating. And then suddenly they're immersed in death, murder and gore. Mm -hmm. But it's fine because it 
Because it's ministry. It's ministry. Yeah. I mean, even down to something like music, I had I had friends in high school that were kind of allowed to listen to some stuff, but they were never allowed to go to a concert. So it's like all the concerts that we went to, they were not allowed to go to unless they were Christian concerts. And it's the idea that literally they were playing the same music, just one out of six songs, they talk about the Lord. You know what I mean? One out of six? I thought Christian music usually every song was. Well, this the like the ska bands that I would listen to at the time, if they had those songs, they were like one out of six. That wasn't the only thing they wrote about. You know what I mean? Okay. And so it was like I had friends that weren't allowed to go to any of those other concerts, even though they're literally playing the same type of music. It's all exactly the same. Just one out of six songs, they talk about the Lord. And all of a sudden, it was like their parents would let them stay out all night yeah. because they were at, they were out watching the Orange County Supertones. You know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they, they went to the Five Iron Frenzy concert. They were allowed to stay out all night. But heaven forbid they go see Homegrown, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like how with Mormons, like parents were okay with you staying out till midnight, but it was for the church dance. But any other time that you were going to be in mixed company with boys, mm-hmm. it was like, no, no, no. But they're like, oh, the the dance that's till midnight in the dark? That's okay. You know? <laughs> I know people that did things. Yeah. At the dances. That's, not, what I'm sa- that's my not point. Not even like around adjacent. That's my point. Yeah. So back to the hell houses, they, I mean, it clearly traumatized some kids and I want to fully acknowledge that. Like, I feel terrible for these kids and yeah. uh, this was 10 times scarier for a lot of people than a regular haunted house would have been because it was tied to real life circumstances and the fear of your salvation, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but that's exactly what they're banking on and it worked. Mm-hmm. That's a lot scarier for people than watching like a fake axe murder scene. Right, right. Because that doesn't feel personal to you. That mm-hmm. feels like it's just theater. It's just yeah. It's just acting, you know. You feel you don't feel connected to that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was designed to like get in your head beyond just seeing some scary image imagery, you know. Right. Like because you know even maybe a haunted house might scare someone because it is like, oh, it's meant to be scary. Mm-hmm. But this is so far beyond that. It's it's fucking meant it's like it's meant to get in your head and like yeah. fuck with you mentally uh and you know put you into full-blown panic for your life ahead and this perceived idea that you're going to hell if you do anything basically mm-hmm. <laughs> and and i was thinking though imagine the poor child that either at the time already knew that they were gay or realized mm-hmm. it down the road imagine how that would fuck them up yeah like it's so sad mm-hmm it's demented as well as it is. It's, it's, but you know, church sanctioned. Ministry. So, yes. Yeah. But I, d- I do have to say, I get a little bit of satisfaction out okay. of the fact that you know that some of those like little sheltered church kids loved it, but not because of the messaging, but because it was a way for them to experience that genre that they never would have gotten They to. never ever would have gotten the chance. Yep. Like I'm sure some of those teen actors were getting off on the fact that they got to play with fake blood and scream obscenities which was another thing that threw me off like some of them like scream, <laughs> like they'll be like call people like bitch and like stuff like yeah. that um you know, whatever else it might be you know that they're like you know they're totally down for that aspect of it right because it's the only way that they'd get to 
participate in something like mm-hmm. that and not get in trouble right. so they're like hell yeah i volunteer to dress up and fuck with people well they would probably say heck yeah <laughs> yes 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 um but no they'd say hell house yeah i volunteer <laughs> i had a couple friends that used to volunteer at haunted houses during october and they always used to tell me like there is a level of fun to it because people don't know who you are so you can really be something else you know what i mean and like one of them said that she was in a haunted house where she was in like a in like an old decrepit house and it was supposed to be like kind of the swamp or like the lake it was by had kind of taken it over and she was in like a ghillie suit next to like laying in this puddle of water but she just looked like kind of like the plants and like the shit that was there Mm -hmm. so as people would go by she would be able to jump and jump at them and like scare them from out of like the bog i guess and she was like sometimes it kind of sucked because i was legitimately in like a wetsuit for like seven hours and she was like but it was really fun like waiting for people to get really close and then freaking them the hell out so so there's a there's a level of interest there and so and that's even and i say this with air quotes but like from like a normal kid think of a sheltered kid where they're like oh yeah oh my god this is like living out Mm -hmm. you know something it's like the or even like the kids that are going through the house even if it's not the ones working it it was a you know parent pastor sanctioned way to sort of celebrate halloween yeah and the morbid and like the macabre and it'd be okay Mm -hmm. so what's funny is like Yes, their shit worked in the sense that it traumatized a lot of people forever. But I, I wish I could know how many were like, I'm here because it's like, I get to kind of feel like I'm celebrating <laughs> Halloween. Like, you know? Yeah. So just It's it's interesting, just the irony of it all. Yeah. Jerry Falwell actively preached against celebrating Halloween and then rode the fucking coattails of it for his own benefit. Of course. But, you know, for the Lord, so it's all okay. It's very different. <laughs> They would look. They look down on me for my horror movies that I love to watch and the true crime I watch every day, but they're out here using it to mentally fuck with people. Right, right. So, you know, I'm the problem. She admitted it, guys. You heard it. What time? Eight twenty-six. Eight twenty-six. October sixteenth. October sixteenth, twenty twenty-three. <laughs> she finally admitted it. You heard it, guys. <laughs> So weird. everything about this dig has been so fucking weird. It is the whole thing is fucking odd. Yeah, and that is the story of evangelical hell houses and how they came to be. Wow, I remember when I saw that on that documentary we watched. That was them. the first time I had ever seen any of that stuff, Same. and I was like, "Is this really like a thing? Like, is this real?" Yeah, I had no idea either until we watched it because, and I had watched that the year before without you, so it was two years ago. Oh, so yeah, I'm I'm a year up on you. <laughs> he just made the oh, oh. Um, so I'm a year ahead of you, Tim. But she's so cool. I'm sophomore. You're like fucking freshman. Um, but yeah, that was the first for me because number one, I didn't grow up evangelical. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're not in the South, and that's not to say that they didn't exist other places outside of the South, but that was like their main hub. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I just. I just don't think they really had them around here. And I did try to look it up. Mm-hmm. Again, I was in the middle of doing real research. So I'm like, I can put devote more time to this later. 
I can't find any because I was like, we should go to one. <laughs> like, yeah. like we, we research, guys, research. <laughs> Imagine the pickle episodes we could do. Oh man. Um. So I was like, let's try to go to one. I I didn't see one around here. I could I saw like there was one from a few years ago, but I need to see if they still have it now. Looking up that one thing I told you about how I saw that YouTube video of one. Yeah. From a few years ago. So. But I don't think it was ever like a major thing here by any means. So. Yeah. I mean. Just in my religious upbringing, like, we were like the holiday Mexicans for the most part of our time. You know what I mean? Where we just went in the major holidays. So, like, I don't even think a lot of the people that went to the church that we went to, even during our, like, time where we were really there a lot, I don't think anybody had enough. And I'm not going to say care because they cared about stuff. But, like, I just don't think anybody had, like... The idea that, like, I'm going to turn my house into this for the entire month of October. You know what I mean? Like, it was usually a church thing. It's not really how, like, yeah. People. I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like people that were at least in my circle, like, had enough care to be like, let me devote this much of my own mental bandwidth and time and effort and resources into this. And it's know? not a very Catholic thing, it's a very evangelical thing. 100%. So it's kind of, kind of specific to that sort of mm-hmm. br- flavor, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd love to go through one just for shits and giggles. There was a funny Vice article that about a guy who the Trinity one, the like the the kind of the first big mm-hmm. one. He emailed them and was saying that he'd volunteer, and he was like, "I'll do this date, this date, like all like because you know the weekends in October." They emailed him back right away, and they're like, "Yep, we could put you in the abortion room or the whatever." And he was like, "The abortion room, please!" <laughs> and he literally flew there wow. and stayed there for three weeks to like work in it. And it was like him like writing about like just him detailing working in it, and it's it was fascinating. Wow! But I was like, I couldn't include it in this. It would have been so long. Maybe it could be Damn. a pickle or something. But um. Yeah, and I'm like, I want to do, like, I don't know if I want to work it, but I want to go to one, and yep. <laughs> I would love to go to If anybody knows of one in the Phoenix metro, or hell, I'll, I'll drive a little, too, if I need to. Let yeah. us know. I'd like to like to experience this, just for research sake. California weekend. California weekend, research if there sake. is one. <laughs> Wild. Okay, so that is that. All right. Well, as we're going to break our tension... What are we digging on this week? You go first. I've been talking. All right. It's kind of in the same vein. And it was because I was thinking I have two friends. One of them went and got a job at Walt Disney World. And she had worked. She had gone through the college program. and um, But decided that she got her dream job at Disney World. So she moved there to work for them. And there's just the thing we've realized about Disneyland is that it's the little touches that you're like, wow, that's really creative. Or I love all the imagineering things where it's like, how did you make this happen? Like, how did you make this work? Um, and it's super cool. So I guess I'm digging on, and this doesn't just have to be like an amusement park life, but I'm digging on little touches of things that just make it magical. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you two examples very quickly. One of them is from Walt Disney World, and it's Pandora. Now, I have not seen a second of Avatar, the Dave Filoni show, or the movie with the blue people. Haven't seen a second of it. But they have the floating islands. And what the Imagineers tried to do was there's wall... There's wall... I almost said wallflowers. There's waterfalls off of a bunch of the little floating islands. 
but what they tried to do was make each one smaller in perspective so it looked like those islands went way up in the air to create spectacle, right? Well, the ones that they said the top two layers of waterfalls aren't even water. It's like a disc that looks like that water that just spins. Hmm. So it's like things like that. Or on the Halloween theme, I remember watching a thing that was on um, Halloween Horror Nights, like Islands of Adventure in, in, in Orlando as well. And what they would do is they would run the park in the mo- during the day and then they would close it off at like 3 p.m. to open it up at like 6 for Halloween Horror Nights. Well, they had to essentially run it as the regular rides and stuff. But then in each land, they would pretty much create like a walkthrough scary thing experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like the area that was all like Marvel characters. Um, they would put in like cars that were flipped upside down and it was like the villains took over. But my favorite one was Jurassic Park. And in the line for the Jurassic Park ride, they were trying to make this walk through haunted house where uh, there was like a scientist that was like combining human and dinosaur DNA. And you were getting chased through this like hospital with them in it. Right. Well, they have this like super slow moving animatronic animatronic of um, of a triceratops. And the Triceratops like slowly moves and like leans over and like nibbles on some grass and that's it. And they were like, well, how do we make this thing scary if it's just kind of slowly moving? So what they did was they boarded up the little like enclosure that it was in and they put a strobe light on it. And they made it look like the horns had punched through like the the wooden fence. So it's like when you would go and you'd look at it through the little holes that were there the strobe light, even though it wasn't moving very quickly, the made strobe light like made it. it look like it was thrashing around. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that is just super clever. That makes it like just a little bit more extra, and I appreciate that. Very cool. Yep. Love the details. I'm a slut for details. Yep. Uh, there's a great Imagineering documentary on Disney Plus that yes. was probably my favorite thing on that whole streaming site. So Yeah. I loved that one, too. Okay, so the thing I'm digging on is just having fun experiences with my loved ones. So a couple weeks, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. Tim and I went to the fair for the first time. And I can't remember if we were newly married or if it was when we were engaged. So I either don't remember way, either. It's been a while. 12, 13 years. I don't know. Something like that since we've been to the fair. Mm-hmm. So we went and we had all of our junk food. And all of that stuff saw that saw the little am the little aminals. Yep. Were the old people that went to go look at the jam and the crochet. The all the competition yeah. stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. that one blanket robbed, robbed in the crochet? Robbed. <laughs> the, the first place winner? Yeah, the first place one was <laughs> You're not. You kidding me? Place place number three, robbed. <laughs> I want Whitney talked about wanting to enter the pie competition next year. I could fucking mop a floor. With you know, I could mop it up with my 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 pecan, my honey, yeah. my double yeah. crunch honey pecan pie. Yeah, I'm just saying that uh. I could potentially do well in the pie competition. I feel like if she did that, she would roll in. You would roll in with an attitude. You'd be like passing by all the all the white haired old ladies and be like, "What do you got? What is this amateur hour?" 
So I think, I think you should. I think you should enter the cookie competition. There's even like a flour my, tortilla one. My sugar, my my cutout sugar cookies. They could, they could mm-hmm. win. Those could win. Yep, glazed oatmeal. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know what this entails. I don't know when you submit this stuff. I have no fucking clue what happens. All I know is that what I saw in some cases was a uh, something Left I could do. Left a little do. to I, be desired. I, I, I'm just saying I could do that. That's all I'm saying. That's all Agreed. I'm saying. Um. So that was one fun experience. We had a lot of fun. We went on the log ride. The we didn't go. We don't go on the crazy rides. We're too old. Mm-hmm. I get sick. We did the log ride. There's a roller coaster that was lightly Jurassic Park themed called the Thrashed Raptor. Us. There was one point where it thrashed really hard. Around. I was bruised. For the most part. It, it was no goofy sky school. I'll oh, tell that'll you that fucking wreck you. You want to have to, you want to f- feel like shit for three weeks? Goofy sky school. You Fuck want your you feelings up. to come out? Goofy sky school. Yep. <laughs> we went on the big, um, we went on ski lift. I love the ski lift at night with the lights. We went mm-hmm. on the big Ferris wheel, not the little ones. Those little ones I don't like. I like the big one. Yeah. Where you get your own room. Mm-hmm. So that was, so the fair was fun. Yeah. So the like, only thing we didn't do that I wanted to do was play the game where you roll the ball. I love the one where you, you sit and you have your own little lane and then you throw the ball into like the three or four different holes and then up on the big board you have your own little like jockey guy. So depending on the on which hole you got, it makes them go farther and whoever gets to the end wins a prize. We made the mistake of not just getting unlimited wrist, wristbands because we're like, we're not going to go on a lot of rides. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Everything's a everything's lot. Everything's really yeah. expensive. Yeah. We did the whole get in for canned foods. It was like the food drive day. Deal. So we did that. I'm like, we should have just gotten the unlimited wristbands. Yeah. Okay. So that was one of my fun experiences. And just real quick, like um, just a couple nights ago, I went with my sister to go see Chelsea Handler. She first took me when I was for my 19th birthday. That was her gift to me. And since then, we just go... Mm-hmm. Every time she comes to town, it was funny. I remember the week that we first released a podcast episode. That was the week I last time I went to Chelsea Handler <laughs> with her. So what, like, year and a half ago or whatever. Yeah. And we just went the other day. So I just kind of like having those things where you're just like, oh, like that's our thing, or this is that experience mm-hmm. that we always have together, or you know, just like you can look back on and be like, oh, that was our thing, or yeah. so. Yeah, that's what I'm digging on. Love it. Mine was a little more abstract, but yeah. I'm a very literal person. <laughs> but, well, as usual, Mildred, as our producer, oh. do you have anything you'd like to add? We, we'd like to add a joke about being literal. Okay. Chelsea Handler made a funny joke. Made me think about it. She talked about how she's a very, like, literal. She's like, I'm a literal person. And she's like, when my doctor told me not to eat fruit alone, <laughs> not to eat fruit alone for two years i didn't eat fruit without a person in the room another person in the room she's like i'd be on a flight and i would be telling the guy next to me don't fall asleep can you not fall asleep until my fruit plate comes <laughs> so when i just said that i'm a very literal person that made me think of that <laughs> this whole tour is about her childhood and many things i can relate to being the youngest and kind of like mm-hmm. the forgotten child can kind of re- I, I relate to chelsea in a lot of ways but any <laughs> I'm done now. Do you think Mildred's version of a hell house would be like just people that own a dog? I think it would be Bop. Or vacuum vacuum cleaners everywhere. She's she doesn't love them, but she's not terrified of them. Mm-hmm. I think it would be like little boys everywhere, dogs, empty pate cans. The horror. Yeah, that's what I think her hell house would be. 
So when our nephew was little, he loved her. He like loves, he, he loves. wanted nothing but her to love him back. But like most little kids, they have that muscle when they're really little that attaches their legs to their vocal cords because they literally cannot move without screaming and, at the top of their lungs. He's so abrupt. He's too abrupt for her, you know, like mm-hmm. So he would like come in and like go excitedly to her and she would run away because he was too abrupt and he could not scream while he ran towards her. And she hides in the closet and then he comes to the closet and mm-hmm. puts his face in her face. And there was one particular, it was for a <laughs> Halloween sleepover actually, yeah. because he loves Halloween. He was, <laughs> like, we had an epic Halloween sleepover, he and I, and she actually went to go hide in the craft closet in our office. And she went behind like the drawer. Like I had the drawer slightly pulled out of like one of those like stair light mm. things. So she's behind the drawer. I was trying to cook breakfast and he must have stuck his face like way back in there and she like swiped at him and so he came out holding his cheek while I was cooking breakfast and he goes she scratched me she scratched me (laughs) and he just had a little scratch on his cheek and so like when my sister got here I'm like I'm so sorry she's like nope he deserved it that's what happens you know which (laughs) as much as Mildred runs away she's not that she's not that cat that was the first and only time she's ever done that yeah she doesn't like claw it things and she's not like she's just not that person she's not a swiper swiper no swiping um she's not she's a runner yeah so she must have been like really fucking over because it had been a day she had nowhere to go well she was majorly backed in literally backed into a corner she was over it he'd been over for how long it had been overnight (laughs) and so he's like she scratched me (laughs) so we still say that now like when she accidentally scratches us like when she jumps you know tries to jump in your lap and then you're wearing slippery basketball shorts (laughs) <laughs> happens to me all the time. So that's what we say. She scratched me. She scratched me. So that would be in Mildred's Hell House. Yeah. <laughs> she says, ooh, she's a spooky. <laughs> oh, Mildred. Oh, by the way, today is the first day that Mildred's wearing her new uh, Halloween collar. She's got three to wear. We're dividing the month in thirds. Mm-hmm. So she's wearing a different one now. This one's very classy. You guys will like it. But. As usual, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the dug. Enjoy our episode visuals and other shenanigans on Instagram at digging up the Duggers pod. And as usual, we have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, let, let us know if you've gone to any hell houses. Yep, we have not, so enlighten us although i feel like i got a pretty good indication that's true in this research but or let us know if if you got a new halloween collar we'll yeah, take yeah, that too yeah 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 and uh don't scratch me <laughs>